Well, good morning. Good morning. I hope everybody is doing uh, well, whether you are watching online with us or you're in the room. We're grateful that you're here uh, today. If this is your first time to be here, or maybe it's one of the first few times you've been here, I'll remind you that uh, you can go and download our app. Uh, go to wherever you search um, for apps and search the keyword LifePoint Ohio. There are interactive message notes that are available there. There's also daily devotional content that matches the series. So we're walking through uh, Daniels together. It's there in audio form if you want to listen on your way to work. Uh, it's there in print form from our Next Steps writing team uh, as well. So I hope you'll take uh, advantage of that. We are in this series called Exiles where we're looking at the book of Daniel, this unique moment in Hebrew history where about 10,000 or so uh, young people, teenagers, were taken into captivity by Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon when he overthrew Jerusalem. He took them back to Babylon to re-educate, right, to relocate them, to make them Babylonian, probably with the idea of eventually sending them back and spreading Babylonian culture throughout uh, the world. And what we're learning uh, about them is that they go through these moments, these seasons, highs and lows, just like we do. And certainly there had to be times where they felt you know, alone, isolated, um, and abandoned. But what ends up happening is that this small group of young people ends up impacting Babylon more so than Babylon impacts them. And I think that's helpful for us, right? Uh, there are moments where uh, we think, God, I don't, know what, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do in this situation with my in-laws. Or, God, I don't know what to do in this situation, how to respond to the HR department um, at work. Or this situation with this teacher or this coach. I don't, know what, I don't know what to do. And so in those moments and in those seasons, it is so helpful. We, don't, we believe convictionally that we don't just um, put your head down and go through those seasons, but that we grow through those seasons, that God uses those seasons to, to, change, um, to change us, to make us different, to grow our souls um, and our spirits. So that's why we've said every week in this series that faith is more about how you live than it is where you live, whether it was in Babylon or in Israel, right? God was still at work um, in, in their lives and in their, in their realities. And God will use you just like he used these young people. He'll use me just like he used um, these, these young people, because of the work that he's doing in you is more important than what your circumstances say is going on around you. So Daniel, and then we've met Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel's three friends. This little small group makes small investments over time, and eventually we're going to see today a huge shift in Babylonian culture because of God's activity um, through their lives. And I think for us, just as a church family, one of the reasons that we encourage our life groups uh, to serve is the uh, process we call serve the city. And the reason that we do that is that we believe, just like what we see here in the book of Daniel, that small investments over time, that God is active in that and that God uses that uh, to bring change. So we ask all of our life groups uh, to be partnered with a local ministry in the city. We, again, we call it serve the city uh, partnerships so that once a term you don't meet as your normal life group right you don't meet in a home together but rather you go out that week and you in some form in some fashion at least one time a term you go serve the city through your connection uh, with that ministry partner Jim and Carol Trzinski lead a life group over in Powell and um, they have created a partnership they've got some connectivity with international Friends, by the way, if you live in Powell, we have four groups that are meeting over there. If you're not connected in a group, I can't encourage you strongly enough to get connected uh, to one of those groups. You can do that on the website. But we asked Carol to just take a second and share a little bit with us about the partnership uh, 
uh, with IFI. So if you would, watch the screens with me and we'll listen to Carol as she shares a little bit. As a teenager, I had the opportunity to serve in West Africa at a Bible school for three months. Um, And then um, several years ago was introduced to an organization called IFI um, and they work specifically with international students. So working with international students seemed to be just an amazing opportunity to do foreign missions right here in Columbus. Um, Just amazing things have happened and it's just been a blast just to be a small part of that and to see what God can do um, through just our obedience, just being open to the people around us who are in our community and who, who are lonely, who have a need and who aren't comfortable expressing that but are very willing to participate in what we have to offer in befriending them. So because the international students were a part of our life, it was very natural for us to introduce them to our friends, um, which obviously included our life group. Um, So it's just been a a wonderful opportunity for our life group to be exposed to other cultures, to have the opportunity to share Jesus. One of our life group members was just really incredible on stepping in and would go and pick up students and bring them to church and then would go out to lunch with them afterward. And one of her expressions was, thank you for introducing us. Just because of the impact that it had on her family um, and just the opportunity now to have more friends and more, um, more people to reach with comfort and confidence in our community. And of course the Lord knows He knows our gifts and our talents and our skills. So not everybody in the life group is doing the same way, but we're playing our part and we're all experiencing the reward of those beautiful relationships and then of helping people who don't know Jesus cross the line to make Him their Savior. But it's so much easier to do it with a life group than it is to do on your own because you have the support of people who know you and who you can trust and you're all doing it together and you realize that there's a purpose beyond just our life group getting together and supporting each other, but there's such an impact that we can make um, in our community and ultimately in the world. You guys thank Carol for sharing just a little bit um, with us. So part of the responsibility that God has given us, right, is to make a difference in our community. And so this is built into what we do in the context of groups. And every one of our groups should have a Serve the City partner. So if you, if you don't, um, the good news for you is that all you need to do is send us an, uh, an email. You can do that right there from your seat, uh, info at lifepointohio.com. And Jillian, Jillian Everson from our missions team, her primary responsibility on our team is to help our groups get connected to our Serve the City partner. She's kind of the bridge in between those two. So you can just send that email right now or after the service today, uh, Jillian is gonna be at Guest Central in the lobby and you can just go out and talk to her about a partnership and about getting, uh, getting connected to make a difference um, in our city. Um, Also, uh, another way that you can make a difference that we do every year during this season um, is our single parent uh, Christmas uh, tree is in the lobby starting today. There's a QR code there. And if there's a single parent family from our church that you would like to recommend um, to receive some sort of help or blessing or assistance during this time of year, you can do that whenever the service uh, is over. It's straight across in the lobby. 
for Nebuchadnezzar, what we have seen is that from the beginning of the book, chapter 1, he, uh, he acknowledges God. He can, chapter 1, he calls God, he's the Lord of kings, he says. But now what we realize throughout the book is that Nebuchadnezzar is really not ready to recognize uh, God as the God. Uh, he's, he's more like he's, he's probably got like a shelf, right, in his world. Um, they would have had a shelf, and on their shelf they would have put different gods. They would have had a, an idol god for this and an idol god for that and an idol god. And what Nebuchadnezzar has thought to this point is, man, Daniel's God seems powerful. So I, if he's really as powerful as, as I've seen in Daniel's life, I want to add him to my, to my group of gods. But Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have made small investments over time. And today, we get to see the shift in terms of how somebody, somebody like Nebuchadnezzar, how he changes. All right? So Daniel chapter 4, if you've got a copy of the scriptures, we'll jump in in verse 4. It says this, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous is a very, very dangerous place, right, to be. I had a dream that made me afraid, and as I was lying in bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. Finally, Daniel came into my presence, and I told him the dream. And in the rest of these, or the next few verses, he describes the dream. He saw this tree, a small tree grows up, and it becomes this massive tree that everyone in the world could see. And he's invited Daniel to come in. He's like, Daniel, I need some, I need some help to interpret this because the next thing that happens in his dream is that an angel shows up in the dream. And here's what the angel says in verse 14, cut down the tree, trim off all of its branches, let his mind be changed from that of a man and let him be given the, man, given the mind of an animal till seven times pass for him. And when he finishes describing the dream to Daniel, Daniel is alarmed. Now, throughout the book, we've seen Nebuchadnezzar alarmed, but, not Daniel, but now Daniel is alarmed. And Daniel says, King, I pray that this is true for your enemies, but that it's not true for you. Because, he says, King, here's what the dream means in verse 24. O King, is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the King, that you shall be driven from among men. And your dwelling place shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and you shall be wet with the dew of heaven. And seven periods of time shall pass over you till you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of heaven and gives to all he will. And basically what Daniel says, he follows it up. He's like, King, please, please repent right now. Please turn your heart God's direction and prayerfully, prayerfully, God will have mercy on you before, before this happens. But Nebuchadnezzar doesn't do that. Um, here's what you see comes in verse 29. Twelve months later, so one year later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, Is this not Babylon the Great? I have built as the royal residence by my power and for the glory of my majesty. And you can just hear the danger, right? Nebuchadnezzar says, man, this is not Babylon that I have built. He looks over all the kingdom. I built by my hand, for my glory, for my 
majesty. And we learn two principles, really, from Daniel's interaction with Nebuchadnezzar in this chapter. And I'll, I'll give you both of them uh, right now. There's an either or, and then there's a both and. So let's start with the either or. One of the things that we learn from Nebuchadnezzar, because you realize, right, what's coming. Like, Nebuchadnezzar is about to go through a period of insanity. And you kind of feel like, gosh, that seems, that seems kind of tough, right? Well, this is not just like Daniel just told him this, and it's been a year. Like, from the, the span of time in the book of Daniel is, from chapter 1 to chapter 4, it's probably 40-ish or so years that Daniel has been talking to Nebuchadnezzar. So one of the principles that we learn from Nebuchadnezzar is that you can have either a God or you can have the God, but you can't have both. A God or the God of heaven. That's what Daniel's been trying to say to, to Nebuchadnezzar all along. But Nebuchadnezzar's like, you know what? I just wanna, I just wanna add God to my, to my shelf and all these, all these other gods. And in that, I think Nebuchadnezzar, he's so representative of the human condition because what Nebuchadnezzar would do is he would choose an idol God over the God who created him, loves him, and pursues him. And there's something inside of Nebuchadnezzar and there's something inside of me and there's something inside of you that wants to be the ruler of your own little kingdom. And while we wouldn't put figurines, right, up on our shelves, we have other idols that we would put, right, up on our shelves. Other things that we find ourselves struggling with at times that we worship, good things. You know, things like our income or like our family or maybe uh, our job, our career, right, and progress. And there are things that we would put on, on our shelf and maybe we would even go so far as to say kind of top shelf, in our lives, because we, we make our idols the things that we think make us, the things that we think make us important, the thing that we think draw attention from other people. We make our idols the same very things that make us. But just like Nebuchadnezzar, he's like, man, well, if if Daniel's God is that powerful, I want him on my, on my team, on my God team, right? I, I want him. And we start to think things like, well, you know what? I mean, someday, someday death may get me, right? Father time's undefeated. We know that uh, unless something crazy happens out there, there's a moment that's marked on the calendar that's our time. And so, man, we want to be ready for that time when that time comes. So we think, you know what I need to do is I need to add God to my shelf. I said at 9.30, I asked the camera guys, I'm going to step in front because... Don't, don't get a close-up of this. This is, I built this. It's an original work. It's curated, right? So one time, not, not very good craftsmanship shows my lack of craftsmanship. But this is kind of how, how we operate sometimes. Um, back in the uh, late 50s, 60s, uh, 70s, even into the, into the 80s, um, there, was a, there was a men's hair care product um, in the country that was really popular. I mean, I don't remember it because I wasn't even alive back then, but some of you probably remember that hair care product that a lot of men used. Elvis made it famous. Dick Clark made it famous. What's it called? Brill Cream, right? I'll show you the ad for Brill Cream. This is Dick Clark repping uh, Brill Cream back in the 60s. And if you remember the byline of Brill Cream, well, a little dab will do you, right? A little dab will do you. In other words, all you need, now, 
you look at Elvis Presley's hair when he was young. He wasn't a little dab, right? It was a lot of dabs uh, that he was using. But that was the idea. Oh, he needs a little bit. And it makes a little bit makes a, makes a big difference. And I think sometimes when we think about our lives and we think about our relationship with God, we find ourselves like Nebuchadnezzar. We're contented and prosperous and our heart kind of swells a little and our mind kind of swells a little. This is my life that I, that I have made. And in that, what we're saying is, but yeah, but just, just in case, right? I just need a little dab, just a little dab of God in there among all the other stuff that I've got. And here's what Nebuchadnezzar is going to see today. He's going to learn it. He's going to feel it. If you think about it, if God is who God says he is, if he's the creator of the universe, if he's the best thing that has ever happened to our lives, if he deserves glory and what we want is joy, then the best thing God can do for us, the best thing he could do is to show us the fallacy of our idols. As a matter of fact, I would go so far as to say that God would be cruel to not show us the fallacy of our idols. And I will also say that is rarely, it is rarely a pain-free process in our lives. Because a, a, little, a little dab of Jesus, it will not do you. It's an either or. You can have a God or the God, but you can't have both. But that leads me to the both and. Because you can experience both grace and consequences. You can experience both the goodness of God and the consequences of your poor decisions, of my poor decisions. And in doing so, you, you can move towards God and move towards growth in him. You think, about, uh, you think about Nebuchadnezzar and you think about all that he has. You think about everything that's there that's, that's out in front of him. And it's just completely, it's completely amiss for him. And he's gonna walk this very difficult path on display as a lesson, as a, as a tutor, as a mentor to you and me about the way that we don't have to approach it. But the flip side of that coin is that Daniel, Daniel has developed an affinity and even a friendship with Nebuchadnezzar after all of these years. And Daniel is going to have to apply a principle during these next seven years while Nebuchadnezzar goes through this. And here's the principle, that there is a distinct line between the compassion to encourage and the compulsion to intervene. Big difference between the compassion to encourage and the compulsion to intervene. Because listen, here's what happens to Nebuchadnezzar. He's standing out there, look at all I've done, look at all I've built, and in that moment, just like that, verse 33 says immediately, what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled, and he was driven 
from men and ate grass like an ox. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. Now just remember, plenty of grace here. Because from the moment he had the dream, it was 12 months. It was a year before this happened. And I'm certain Daniel was encouraging him to the grace. God is being kind to you. He's being kind to you. He's being patient. He's being patient. But at that marker, everything changes for Nebuchadnezzar. He experiences what today psychologists call, it's a condition called zoanthropy. It's a a mental health um, condition. And I'll just read to you the description um, from, I believe this was from psychology uh, today. It says this, over time an individual may experience the lengthening of hair and the thickening condition of fingernails, which is exactly what which is exactly what Daniel chapter four says. What happens to a person that experiences zoanthropy, zoanthropy is that they think they're an animal instead of a human being. So eventually they tend to wander outside. They will, um, they'll eat grass uh, outside and their, their hair grows long, their nails grow long. And this is exactly what happens to, to Nebuchadnezzar. So from Daniel's perspective, it is incredibly difficult for him to have to sit back and watch his friend experience the consequences of 40-something years of bad choices and, and bad decisions. As you and I look at our lives, moments probably for you where there are people that you love, friends, family members, coworkers, that go through seasons that are incredibly difficult, some struggle with addictions, maybe some have a variety of, of idols in their lives. And we watch people experience the consequences of their choices. And what everything in you, everything in me wants to jump in, right? We want to, we want to jump in, whether that's a, whether that's a parent, a friend, um, a child, uh, we want to, and we want to take the consequences away, right? We want to remove somebody from, from, from the pain, from the sense. We want, and sometimes when we do that, we are short-circuiting the process that God has them in. And so Daniel just, I mean, nowhere in the chapter do you see Daniel running out in the wilderness, you know, giving uh, Nebuchadnezzar a haircut and a mani-pedi um, out, in the, out in the wilderness trying to, trying to take these He sits back and he watches what God is doing because actually what God is allowing into Nebuchadnezzar's life, it's the best thing for Nebuchadnezzar, even though, even though it's a very painful thing for Daniel to process and to watch um, and and for Daniel, quite frankly, to to be part of. I tell you, the hard part for me as a pastor in the middle of situations and circumstances like this is that I can't, a lot of times, I can't tell you, I can't discern for you, I can't, yeah, you should jump in and help, or no, I think you should wait and watch God's activity and and discerning the difference between those two, I can't, you have to pray and you have to discern that the majority of the time, where and how God um, is leading you. And for some of us, it's just so, you're, you're just, you're big hearted, right? And man, you just think, I gotta fix it. 
um, I'll, maybe a book will help you. Uh, there's a book uh, by a pastor, his name's Henry Cloud, called Boundaries. And um, for those of us who have that tendency, that propensity to jump in and fix everything, this is a, it's a great book. It kind of helps you discern maybe some of those things and what's going on in your own life, in your own heart. And I would just say, if three different people buy you a copy of this book this week, you know that's maybe you, right? That, uh, that, could, be, uh, that could be you. I want you to hear uh, Nebuchadnezzar. This is Nebuchadnezzar's. This is his repentance story at the end of seven years. When this is done, when this is over, here's, um, here's what he says. Verse 34. And at the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored him and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven because everything he does is right and all, and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. For the first time in his life, Nebuchadnezzar is genuinely grateful. And he says, everything that I have, all this stuff in Babylon that I thought that I built, what I've now realized is that it is God who gave me the mental faculties, right? The leadership capacity and the ability to build everything. Everything that I have, he says, is a gift. And he's not just grateful, but he understands that he's accountable for everything that he's been given. And that's why I think moments like this upcoming week are so incredibly important. Because... Moments like Thanksgiving give us the opportunity to reflect personally on everything that God has given to us. And not only for personal reflection, but even for public reflection, that I hope this week you'll take Thanksgiving, that it'll be a teachable moment for you with you know, maybe for Friendsgiving with, with friends or, or with your family, Thanksgiving. I hope there'll be a moment either maybe through I don't know, through praying over a meal or just some reflection where you can take the opportunity to say, you know, everything, guys, we've got is a gift. Everything I have is a gift. And it's a reflection of the fact that you've humbled yourself under the authority of God because that's what God deserves and because that's what's best for you. It completely makes sense that Nebuchadnezzar says, and I'm grateful and I'm accountable for everything that God has given to me. So, I think a message like this, a passage like this, Daniel chapter four, I know it hits a lot of us in a lot of, of different ways. It's, it's maybe gonna hit your life and land on you differently um, than it's gonna land or it's gonna hit somebody else. So let's talk about that. How do we apply this first? If you're here today and there is somebody that you love and somebody that you care about, somebody that um, is walking through this Nebuchadnezzar kind of season, you say, well, then what do I do? How do I know? How do I? I would just encourage you. Keep asking, keep praying, 
keep trusting, keep looking for the opportunity to speak truth where God brings those opportunities because right around the corner there may come a moment where you hear that person that you care about and you love say, I praise and exalt the God of heaven for all his ways are right and he, he is just. Maybe you're here today and maybe you say, you know what? Um, Dean, I look around me whenever I walk into this room and I think everybody's got it together here. And I think if anybody knew, if anybody knew the real me, if anybody knew the things that I had done, like I'm not even sure you'd let me, you'd let me in the building. The things that I did years ago, the things that I did uh, yesterday maybe, the things that I think sometimes, like I don't think, I don't know that I belong in a place like this. You ever feel that way? Nod at me if you feel that way sometimes, yeah? Thank you for nodding at me. I appreciate that. Sitting right there in the fourth row, I appreciate you nodding at me. I would just tell you that sitting two rows in front of you is James, and he's a terrible sinner. He's a terrible sinner, way worse than you. So you're good. You're, you're, you're good. I'm kidding. James is a great guy. He's a great guy. I think sometimes we have that mentality, though, right? We think, man, if I walk in the room, the, the roof's going to cave in because if you knew Somebody knew what I had done. I would say if you're here today and you have Nebuchadnezzar's moxie, right? Everything I have is because of me. Everything I've built in my life is because of me. I will plead with you the way Daniel pled with Nebuchadnezzar. Today is your day to repent. This has been a season of grace in your life, and that season of grace may continue. It may not continue. This may be the day for you. I know someday will be the day for you. So take advantage of the grace and the goodness of God today. Because what all of us need, regardless, what all of us need is we need to take these little things like in our lives and we need to take them off the top shelf and we need to put them down here, right? Because they're all good things, right? They're good gifts that God has given to us. We need to say there's only one thing, right, that is top shelf in my life. It's the grace and it's the goodness of God because a little dab will not do you. He's, he's the God a God, it, it's just not going to work. Man, there's something inside of us that just the self, right? The self that wants to be exalted, the self that wants to be known and get attention and worship, worshiped. I don't know about you, uh, whenever I watch sports um, on TV, um, I've got this pet peeve, and I know this probably makes me an old man, uh, but I've got this pet peeve whenever I watch a sport, like when I watch football, right? And a cornerback comes up and he makes a tackle on a screen pass, uh, or I'm watching a basketball game and it's three on one, fast break, and they dish to this guy and he goes up and he dunks it, right? And when the guy makes the tackle and when the guy, you know, makes the dunk, sometimes you see they go, yeah! beat their chest, you know, and I don't know. I'm like, you did your job, go back to the huddle, right? I mean, you did it, you know, like, you're 6'10", you dunked a ball, congratulations, right? Like, run back bound defense, don't, you know, don't, it drives me crazy. Probably a little bit of jealousy more than anything um, on my part, right? But this show of strength and, 
It's interesting to me that in Luke chapter 23, that when the crucifixion of Jesus finishes, when Jesus dies, Luke makes a point to say that some of the people left the scene of the cross and they, they beat their breasts. And we look at that and we think, oh, that's like us, like that's a show of strength. But actually, in their culture, it was just the opposite. It was a sign of grieving and mourning. Well, why were they grieving and mourning? I mean, these are the very people who put Jesus, right? They're the ones who cheered for it. They're the ones, I think, it's because when they witnessed the death of Jesus on the cross, humbly receiving instead of railing instead of reacting. I think some people there realized we have put to death the only innocent man. We have put to death the only righteous man. But the good news for them and the good news for you and me that it wasn't, it wasn't just a man who was put to death on the cross. But that three days later, God miraculously resurrected his son to be glorified as the king of kings, lord of lords, the eternal king of heaven, to be worshiped by everyone. One way or the other, even in our disobedience, at times, we glorify that God's word is true and that what he says is right. The scriptures say every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The only question is whether you and I will choose to bow, will choose to humble ourselves and bow underneath the goodness of God. That's why we sang what we sang earlier, right? That's why we sang, that's why I do what? That's why I trust him. That's why we, that's why we sang, he's the way maker, right? In our, he's the one who made the way for us to come to know God. And so that's why here in just a minute, I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna sing and worship together. And we're gonna sing what I think should be called, I think we should rename it. I think we should call it Nebuchadnezzar's song. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. So what? So with every breath that I'm able, I am gonna sing of the goodness of God. I'm gonna pray for us, and then we're gonna sing. We're gonna worship a God who's been incredibly good. Uh, Father, we lay our lives down in front of you. Right now, God, we take the opportunity to worship. We take the opportunity to, like Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and glorify uh, the God, the King of heaven. We sang earlier, God, that you never 
And God, that your greatest work is the work that you're doing in us to glorify yourself, to receive all the praise that you're due. And so today, God, in this moment, we gather together as a body, as kind of a setup for this week and out of gratitude, we understand that we're not just grateful, but that we're also accountable, that you are top shelf in our lives. And so God, out of a sense of purpose and out of a sense of worship, we honor you this morning with our voices that we love you and that we couldn't be more grateful for all you've done in our midst. It's in your name we pray, amen. Would you stand and let's worship together.